Welcome to the Mind Speaking Podcast, where we talk about the human side of data. In other words, data, communication, and personal development. My name is Gilbert Eikelboom. I'm driven by curiosity, and my aim is to spread insights that you can apply in your life starting today. So, let's do it. Let's start Mind Speaking. Today on the Mind Speaking Podcast, I'm talking to Harpreet Sahoda. If you like a bit of a deeper conversation about philosophy, about life and about work, then you will like this interaction. In this episode, I talked to Harpreet. He has he's a data scientist working for Comet. He's a statistician. He is also the podcast host of Artist, the Artist of Data Science, a podcast I definitely recommend. He has over 40,000 followers on LinkedIn, and he also hosts the weekly open office hours. Next to all that, he is also the principal data science mentor at Data Science Dream Job. He's a busy man, so I'm lucky to have him in the podcast. I really enjoyed this episode about all kinds of things. It's a more of a conversational episode. So if that's what you like, you will enjoy this conversation. Arpreet, welcome to the show. Gilbert, great to be here, man. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited for today. I remember being on your podcast and actually that was my first podcast appearance ever. I was really nervous and, but you calmed me down and you gave me some good feedback to improve after as well. So I really appreciate that. And it's so fun, so much fun to look back at how we interacted, how we collaborated and now being in this podcast again to, uh, to speak. So thank you for making the time. Absolutely, Matt. Did I know it was your first podcast? I don't think I knew that. I don't think I, I, just... I, I don't think I told you. So that was overdue. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, it was great, man. So if you guys are listening to this, go check Gilbert out on my podcast, The Artist of Data Science. It was great, man. I really enjoyed uh, chatting with you. Yeah. It was a good conversation. Me too. And I've been listening to your podcast a lot. And we'll dive into your podcast uh, later a bit more as well, because uh, The Artist of Data Science is a great show. And of course, uh, many people know you from LinkedIn or other platforms like Medium. But some people don't, and I will. I also know you, but I would like to discover more about you. So let's start at the beginning. What type of person was was Harpreet in high school, and where did you grow up? Grow up, and tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, I grew up in South Sacramento, California. Uh, so you know the 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 region I was in was called like the North Laguna slash Valley High area. So if anybody's from Sacramento, you know that's where I'm from. Uh, in high school, man, like the first few years, I think I was a pretty decent kid. Like I was on the right track. I you know, had big aspirations and yeah, I was in all the honor classes and stuff like that. I was in this, um, they, they created this special track for kids who had excelled during uh, middle school years and it was called Collegiate Academy. And, uh, it was just, you know, I was in a small cohort with all the same students. Uh, so we would take all the same honors classes and stuff like that. Um, but then, you know, I was always I maybe had like a rebellious streak or I was just trying to be cool or maybe it was just the music I was listening to. I don't know. Uh, uh, or maybe the people I was around. I don't know. Uh, you know, just started experimenting with uh, other bad things. And, um, my senior year of high school ended up, uh, getting in some fights, ended up, you know, getting caught with, uh, you know, uh, contraband. Let's put it that way. And, uh, ended up not graduating high school, uh, on time. And this was after I'd been accepted to quite a few uh, universities, a couple of them in Silicon Valley. So I was headed towards Silicon Valley and uh, yeah, ended up 
not graduating, losing those college admissions, and then having to uh, go to what was called across the street university. So right across the street from my high school was uh, a community college called Consumnus River College, which oddly enough is where I used to go skip school and hang out at was was a college. Um, and that was just, just uh, after that was just years of just um, kind of a, downward spiral i guess would be a, a, a multi-year bender i would say just hanging out with other kids that uh had lost their way and you know some of them haven't found their way yet some did yeah. right interesting there's so many things interesting things i want to zoom in on and what i'm curious about is when you were in high school and younger and when did you realize you wanted to make a, a change man i like i didn't get my stuff together uh until much later, like I, was, I, I, I was still taking classes at college, but then I was using that as an excuse to get out of get get out of my house, and you know, most of the time I'd just be in the parking lot, you know, smoking weed and then just doing bad shit and just hanging around campus, not doing stuff. I didn't get my act together really until I was like twenty one, and then uh, at that point I was like, all right, well, you know, I kind of don't want to be delivering pizzas forever like you know what i mean that's not a good use of my time maybe i should try to do the school thing but then even then when i went back to university it was still the same stuff right like i still managed to find myself in the same type of predicaments with the same type of people doing the same type of stuff um, why do you think that is that happened it's just it just you know maybe i just have a proclivity uh to waste time and you know take the easy easy route wherever possible i mean maybe it I just didn't have a lot of role models growing up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, my, my mom's uncle, my mom's brothers who are my uncles were all great. They're all great role models. Um, but if nobody really was, was there to kind of show me like, okay, maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe you should try to do this. And even if they were, I probably wouldn't have listened. Um, did you so have yeah, any, I don't know why that was. Did you have any conversations yeah. with, with them? Did they bring you into a conversation about what was happening or? trying to influence you no no none of that right like none of that yeah right um, and 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 they were a role model in some sense you mentioned so so my uncle was you know the, my uncle's owned a pizza restaurant called mountain mike's pizza and they opened that up and they made sure that i worked there because and i'm glad i worked there it did keep me off the streets and it kept me from probably doing even worse things um that you know some of my other classmates and, and cousins got into um and so that was great but at the same time it's like all right well you know you just showed me how to deliver pizza be like a small business owner or whatever like it just wasn't wasn't uh wasn't enough right like i just didn't i didn't have many examples around me of what uh success actually looks like or what is actually possible um yeah right and what what I what I see in you when you interact with people, when you do presentations, when your outings on social media, I see a lot of mentorship, and try, maybe trying to be that role model. Is that is that a right observation, or how do you see that? Uh, they're mostly reminders to myself, I would say, um, and maybe just just putting some positivity out there. Like I don't know if I'm like a role model to anyone. If anybody should consider me a role model, uh, I think you are. Uh, or a mentor, yeah, maybe it's possible. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, like this mentorship thing that I got into was kind of by accident. Like, you know, none of this stuff was predetermined or pre-planned. Like, I've 
I never would have thought that I would be in a position where I could give people life advice or give people career advice and they take it and it works for them. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah, this works because it leads to the next question as well about, you know, giving advice and helping people and having an impact on people. Do you think, do you think people should be, um, mentoring more often? taking care of others or guiding them? What do you think? Yeah. So for, for me, this is kind of like my, my journey for, for mentorship. Like, I mean, you sh- people should always take care of themselves first, first and foremost, like you're responsible for yourself and just take care of yourself first. You know, that's, that's what I gotta say about that. But, uh, mentorship does give people an opportunity to get better. So I was part of this program, uh, data science dream job, which I don't know when this episode is going to be released, but it's going to, you know, the, the business is closing. Uh, but I was part of this thing back in 2018, just as a student myself. Um, and people were asking questions in our Slack community. And these questions, I was like, dude, this is the most easily Googleable question. Like if you just put in the slightest bit of effort, you could get the answer to this question relatively quickly. Uh, but then I said, all right, well, that's an interesting question. I kind of want to know the answer to that myself. So let me go look it up, find the answer, uh, accumulate the knowledge for myself, and then give it back to you, right? Uh, and so if it wasn't for those type of opportunities where people are just asking questions, and I'm like, oh, that's an interesting question. I'd like to know the answer to that. So let me look it up and give you the answer. Like That was probably the, the, the thing that accelerated my knowledge in data science and machine learning the quickest. Um, so there's completely selfish motives, I guess, for how that planned out, the panned out for me, uh, was just, I just used it as an opportunity for me to get better and more knowledgeable. Um, and then part of it is just people, people were starting saying, thank you. Right. <laughs> and that was so helpful. Thank you for doing that. And that kind of feels good too, man. Like the dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of want to get more and more of that. Um, and so that's kind of how my mentorship journey started, um, was just, finding opportunities for me to learn more by answering lazy people's questions. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked out very well because by yeah. because of all those people asking questions, stupid or not, you found the answer, you found more knowledge, you got more experience, you got feedback from people that it was helping. So that's mm-hmm. how you kind of understood what was important for you. Maybe you discovered more of your values, what, what you want to do in life. And Part of that is also understanding what matters to you, right? Becoming more self-aware and doing introspection. Mm-hmm. What What do you see of the yeah. What do you see as the role of introspection and self-awareness in in your journey? Dude, that that that's the stuff that uh, has really helped shape me over the last few years. Like all this introspection, self-awareness stuff. I probably only started doing that. Like I'm 38 years old. Uh, I'll turn 39 in May of 2022, so I'm quite old, right? Uh, but even then it wasn't until 2018, 2017, late 2017, early 2018, where I started like, uh, I guess being exposed to more ideas, you know, books like Carol Dweck's Mindset, Angela Duckworth's Grit and, uh, Charles Duhigg Power of Habit. And reading those books just started kicking off thoughts in my head. And it's like, it made me think about the way I thought about stuff, right? It really shook some of my uh, core beliefs for the better. Um, so through that bit of in- introspection, through, through being exposed to those ideas made me audit and um, kind of audit and question my own belief system. 
and then tear down the ones that just I felt were holding me back and then rebuild a whole new belief system. And how how did you create that? Because from experience, I know it's very hard to kick old beliefs or habits. And talk to us about how you yeah kicked those and adopted a new mindset or or belief system. Yeah, just dude, like the thought processes I was having, like the beliefs I had, they just weren't helping me. Like I, I looked at my life and was like, okay, here I am, thirty five years old, educated, right? By all means, I'm you know I have master's degree, math and statistics, passed a few actuarial exams. I was in a Bios, I was a biostatistician, like, you know, kind of a brainy job. But then, like, I just wasn't progressing. Like, I wasn't using my time wisely. I wasn't climbing up in my career. Like, I was stagnant for, like, five years in that role. And um, a lot of it had to do with just the what I believed, right? Like, I believed that, okay, well, this is this is it. You know, this is all there is for me. Like, I can't do anything else. Like, it's, you know... I'm too old. I can't learn any new skills. I can't pivot. Things are too hard. Uh, you know, this, this is just it. Complacency, like, uh, it doesn't matter. You know, it, it doesn't matter. I just stay in this job. They're not going to fire me. I could slack off or whatever. And it was just, it was bad, right? Just these beliefs that I had, these thoughts that I had were just not, not helpful or useful. Um, mm-hmm. and so I kind of had to get out of my own head, right? Like, you know, you're in your head all the time. Like, it's the only thoughts you have. Uh, and you start associating yourself with these thoughts. Like I was just firmly my thoughts, but then I was like, wait, hold on, man. Like, what are you thinking? Like, these are stupid thoughts. Like, what is it that you're actually believing? Like, why are you believing this stuff? And since I just dismantled a whole set of beliefs that are holding me back, like things have just been crazy, crazy for me, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, you know, yeah. uh, it's the positive, the positive has been like a, a hockey curve. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hockey stick curve. Yeah, awesome. I like how you described that, talking about your own thoughts, you know, and looking at your own thoughts. And I think you need a pretty high degree of self-awareness to be able to do that, to look at yourself and look at your own thoughts and say, hey, this this was useful in the past, but I'm putting it down now. I'm I'm choosing for a different route. And in one of your blog posts, you also mentioned the word uh, non-fortable. <laughs> so uh, can you talk to, talk to us about oh. that? Do you remember? So <laughs> yeah. numb and yeah, non-comfortable. Yeah comfortably numb yeah uh yeah man that's just that like complacency feeling like like it's very it's very easy to take the easy route but then the easy route leads to more hardship in the future right because it's kind of a paradox of life Mm -hmm. uh so it's very easy to feel complacent like you know oh i'm where i am right now like this this is easy like i'm coasting like you know i got a decent job like you know i could i could spend my afternoons or evenings just watching tv all day and you know, and, and you just get in these habits and, and it's just comfortable and you, you kind of get stuck in that routine, right? Exactly. Uh, it, it, yeah, I mean, it's just that. And it's so easy to stay there because it takes so much, yeah, so much so courage, easy, so, so much courage, so much wisdom to, to know where you want to go, right? But also you need to jump before you know exactly, just explore the unknown. And, um, and it, this also really, relates to one of the quotes from that same blog post you you wrote it's an excellent blog by the way i'll put the link in the show notes uh it said it doesn't matter what other people think about what you're doing as long as as you have a clear vision of what you're trying to achieve Uh, and then the my question is how do you create that clear vision or how have you created that you you touch upon it already a bit but maybe you can expand yeah 
uh, how do you come up with that clear vision, man? It takes a lot of work, I'll tell you that. Like, it takes a lot of effort. Because um, you have to sit down with your thoughts and actually figure out, okay, like, what is it that I actually want to achieve, right? So for me, uh, you know, it, there's been many, many moments where I had to sit down and think about what it was I was trying to achieve and then deconstruct the thing going backwards, right? So at first it's like, okay, well, I want to be an actuary, right? That's, you know, 10, 12 years ago, that was the case. Like, I want to be an actuary. Great. Well, how do I become an actuary? Well, first I need to find a community of actuaries and talk to them and find out about their journey and then see what kind of advice they give me and then collate all that advice and kind of come up with a plan for yourself, right? Um, but it, it all starts, I mean, it, it starts with just the realization that you, you've just, you got yourself stuck in, in some type of a, a position, right? And once you figure out, okay, like you own up to the fact that, like, you know what, like I got myself stuck. I'm in a position that I don't like, like I'm working a shitty job, you know, I'm, I'm doing something I do not care about. Uh, and I'm just complacent and, and I'm just living every day. Like, like it's the same day without any real clear vision or goal. It, acknowledge that fact and then from there it's like all right cool let me figure out a plan right let me figure out where in my day i am misusing time and then figure out how i can use that time to set me up to get to where i want to go right mm -hmm. and for me like it doesn't matter if it was trying to become an actuary it doesn't matter if it was trying to learn python or machine learning or become a data scientist or learn anything it was uh, just coming to a realization that I was stuck and I need to formulate a plan and spend every waking minute that I have attacking that plan, right? And it doesn't matter if you got a full-time job, doesn't matter if you got family, wife, and kids, you wake up early and you start just doing the thing, right? And just attack, attack like your life depends on it. And I don't know, man, it's, it's, I don't know if that's answering the question there, but uh, I think it just starts with just realizing that, you know, if, if you're in a position, that you feel like you got yourself stuck. Uh, acknowledge that fact, figure out where it is you're trying to go, uh, devise a plan to get there, and that plan might be listening to other people's story, it might be reading blog posts, it might be you know reading people's posts on LinkedIn or reaching out to people, um, figuring out how they did it. That makes a lot of sense, and it, and, it, and it answers the question. And I think once you admit to yourself that you're stuck or that you don't wanna you want to go move to a different place where you're not right now. I think that's a big hurdle, right? And once you have done that, the rest is more clear because it's really clouded by your unawareness of, or un unwillingness to admit that you're not in the right place. And then once you define those steps, I think everything becomes clearer. And I think we often make those steps too big, right? Okay, I want to move from, from finance to data science. Yeah, where, where the hell do I start? But I think you give some very practical tips about, you know, following people on LinkedIn or reaching out to them or joining a community. I think that's very helpful. Yeah, I think just like like anything in data science, computer science, whatever, it's just taking a big problem, a hard problem, and just breaking down to smaller and smaller chunks, right? Like if you're trying to make that career transition, um, okay, like if you're trying to get into data science from whatever type of role you're going to, all right, well, what are the core skills I need to get into data science, right? Like what are the fundamental skills? Identify the fundamental skills and pick one at a time and attack that one skill for, you know, three, six weeks. Move on to the next skill. Do that for three to six weeks. Move on to the next skill, three to six weeks. Then go back to that first skill and then repeat this loop until, you know, you've acquired the knowledge you need. Um, 
but then acquiring the knowledge you need isn't really enough because you need to apply it and do something with it, right? And I don't, you know, there's so many career paths out there that are permissionless where you don't need to be in a job to do the work where you can just do the actual stuff without anyone's permission. You know, that's the wonderful thing about tech and data science, right? Like you don't need anyone's permission to go download a data set. You don't need anyone's permission to, uh, set up Python, VS code, uh, establish, you know, a local database or database in the cloud. Like there's so many things you don't need permission for. Right. So back in the days, like doing this, like you and I, like recording something, broadcasting it. When I was growing up, that wasn't possible. You had to go to a public radio station, pay them, I think 150 bucks an hour. And then even then you were only available on air for that one hour. Right. Like now it's like, there's no, we don't need anyone's permission to do this, man. Like you don't have like the, everything that you want to do. Like I guarantee you, uh, the barriers to entry are far lower than you think they are. Um, so yeah, I just want to tirade there. Sorry about that. No, that's perfect. I, I love the message because I don't think enough people realize how, how many opportunities there are right now, because right. And the, with opportunities, I mean, not just jobs, but opportunities to learn. And indeed, 20 years mm -hmm. ago, 10 years ago, it was much more difficult to, to access all those, that information, access all those people, right? Even via LinkedIn, you can, um, send a message to anyone even the most famous authors or public speakers or whoever, and they might respond as well. And I think the response rate is pretty high if you're, if you're a kind person and you communicate in a kind mm -hmm. way. And I believe most, m more people are willing to help than we realize. So, and this is something we can benefit from. Yeah. I'd say that's probably like the, the biggest, uh, world shaking belief that I've acquired over the last, a uh, few years is just that you know, the things that I once thought required someone's permission to do are actually, in fact, permissionless. Like, you do not need to ask anyone to do a lot of things. You can just do it. Awesome. I would like to talk a bit about communication skills and you as a statistician and data scientist. What have you experienced in terms of communication? Uh, what challenges have you faced and what did you find difficult and what did you, what did you experience? Man, do I, do I have communication skills? I don't know, man. I guess, uh, that's, uh, uh, like, so I, I, I man, it's a tough question. Cause I don't, I, I'm still, that's something I'm still working on is my communication skills, right? Like, I still don't think I have got solid communication skills. Like, I feel like there's a lot of work that could be done. Uh, it's one thing to be able to sit and write down your thoughts and clarify and distill those. Uh, it's another thing to communicate, uh, verbally, but I think it all comes down to just, uh, a few key points, right? Like, first is just have, you know, empathy for the person that you're speaking with right especially if you're trying to convince someone or persuade someone to do something uh you first need to empathize with them right and then you need to take their perspective and then you need to try to influence them and then from there maybe you achieve some kind of concurrence or compliance um so that's that mm -hmm. epic that's what i call that my internal framework epic framework for persuasion right so it's just empathizing with somebody taking their perspective like getting like the one the empathizing part is just understanding how this person is feeling right putting yourselves in their shoes and understanding okay what type of emotions might this person be feeling the perspective taking is putting yourselves in their cognitive um thought process like, okay there's one thing to 
understand how someone is feeling about a situation. It's another thing to understand how this person is thinking about the situation. What are the thought processes that are going on in their head? Um, and then if you get those two, then I think you can get closer to, uh, to influencing people. And I think it's um, spot on. And I think it's something I, uh, a mistake I made many, many times in the past and still do sometimes to, to be too eager to jump to persuasion, right? Because you have the data already, you have the facts. So why not present them right away and not take so much time empathizing and, you know, getting the perspective of the other person because you have the truth already. So why, why, why bother? Um, but yeah, many times people were not listening and I only, you know, try to give them more facts and <laughs> more details maybe. Didn't really work out, I can tell you. Yeah, man. Like, is that because, uh, yeah, when you start, like, it's hard trying to convince people with facts, right? Really <laughs> that, that, yeah. I feel like that, that doesn't really work as often, uh, as you think it would, like, cause you're like, I'm a rational person. Like, I understand the facts. Like, why don't you understand the facts? Exactly. Like, here they are. Like, look at them. <laughs> the truth. Uh, yeah. 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 And I think, um, most, or most, many data scientists, data analysts, they have a pretty rational perspective which is very helpful in their job but also can be uh, detrimental when you're trying to convince or collaborate with other people because i mean we're all emotional whether we like it or not some people are a bit more emotional and especially for those people if you skip the emotions you will never get them on your side mm -hmm. yeah and you say you are still working on your communication skills well, I can tell you, you're doing that every day because you're out there a lot, right? Writing LinkedIn posts, creating content, having to open up for hours, your podcast. So a lot of, a, a lot of the time you're, you're out there communicating your message. And that means you're in the spotlight quite a lot. Do you enjoy that? Yeah. It's tough, man. Like it's really hard. Like it's one thing to be in the spotlight when it's kind of a, a premeditated kind of thing right like when, when i do a presentation like i know what i'm going to talk about like i've got that all mapped out uh when i'm doing a podcast interview like i know what questions i'm going to ask right? like I, I put in work i've understood the author's work uh, but it's like situations like this where it's like i you know i, I kind of go in and and i'm thinking off you know the the seat of my pants or whatever the phrase is these type of situations are really tough for me to be uh go to go into like an unknown and just formulate and, and clarify my thoughts on the spot so in, in terms of like communication like that it's challenging for me um because if you guys are still listening you know 25 minutes into this podcast uh you notice that i might have a tendency to uh to just ramble and go off on tangents um or you know, i feel like sometimes i'm not addressing the question correctly so those type of situations are always tough but in life you are more often in these type of situations than you are in premeditated situations right sure. so from that respect like like when i write a piece like like that is hours and hours of work research editing that goes into that that helps communicate it when i write a linkedin post same thing a lot of that's premeditated um but you know the ability to clearly communicate your thoughts on the spot in conversation to me is something that uh, i feel i'm not good at and i, I need a lot of work at um Again, not not directly asking, answering your original question and just answering a completely different question, but um, I, I will say it is tough being uh, live a lot. Like I'm, ex like you just out there, man. You open and exposed. People are are not nice. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, on average, people are nice, but there are people out there who just are 
just mean just because they want to be right mm-hmm. and that stuff will stick out and that stuff will hurt and uh how do you yeah, they're looking for yeah i wanted to ask how do you deal with that with the negativity or people that are insulting or trying to offend you or whatever yeah i i just realized it's not actually it doesn't have anything to do with me right like this person's reaction to the content i'm creating or what i'm saying actually has nothing to do with me it has nothing to do with me uh it's got more to do with them than it has to do with me right and i think that's just you know i think marcus aurelius says ignoring what goes on in other people's soul no one ever came to grief that way um so that's kind of like the 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 thing i remember and and, and you know other people's thoughts and opinions and objections they are their own they have nothing to do with me it might be directed towards me but it doesn't mean that it's anything to do with me you know what i mean like it, it's a subtle shift um but i think realizing that has been helpful yeah it's a subtle shift but it makes such a big impact if you realize that you know it's not personal personal and you if you don't take anything personally which is difficult but in the end nothing is nothing is very personal because it's personal to mm-hmm. that person that is in a certain state at that moment at that minute or maybe month or year or, or life even but it doesn't have mm-hmm. so much to do mm-hmm. with you it's it's more the the trigger um but it's yeah. still difficult i think because i i like good relationships right i like i like to be in harmony yeah. with people so when people say something like that it um it's easier said than done that to just leave it yeah for me yeah yeah no not I, I, i know what you mean um but yeah it it is tough dude But to answer the original question, uh, do I enjoy being open out there all the time? Um, yeah, probably because otherwise I wouldn't have, I wouldn't do it so much. But it's draining, right? Like I'm naturally like an introvert, right? Like uh, just this month, you know, month of January rather, I was live streaming, you know, ten hours live streaming, plus you know another three four hours giving presentations at conferences and things like that. And that's super draining. Yep. October October twenty twenty one, I I live streamed I think thirty hours that month. Whoa. Like that's crazy. Like that's a lot, right? A lot, yeah. And it's definitely burnt. You know, got to the point it, I did get burned out. Right, I had three or four podcast interviews scheduled beginning of February, and I just had to cancel all of them. I was like, I just can't. Like I, you know, it, it's not going to be the best version of me interviewing you. Uh, I just can't. I I can't do it. Um. So I had to cancel a few few interviews that that I had lined up. Um, it's tough, and it's not for everyone. Uh, you open yourself up a lot, but hey, it's fun. It's, it's fun, fun at the same time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and you make a interesting comment there, or comments I would I would like to hear more about because you say you're an introvert, right? And many people see introverts not as people that are in the spotlight. Um, but it, it does drain you, you know, to have a lot of hours of life. How do you balance that apart from, you know, canceling podcasts if you're really burned out? How do you how do you do that now? Because I think there's some uh, things to learn from from for me because I'm I've been too stressed in the in the last six months. So so maybe some lessons for me and maybe the listeners. Yeah, yeah man, it's it's weird because I do spend a large majority of my time by myself in my room, right? physically just by myself in this office you know my my wife is working my baby's at the grandparents house 
so I spent a lot of time by myself in this office, but the majority of the time that I spend by myself in this office, I'm usually on calls with other people. I'm either in meetings, I'm doing conference presentations, I'm hosting podcasts, office hours, all sorts of things, right? Um, and that stuff is draining because like it, it you, you've given away so much energy, right? Like it, it's just, it's draining to do that. And, uh, once helped me to really, to, to really kind of combat that is, you know, I spend a lot of time every morning just either writing in the journal or reading books or just spending quiet time that is just for me. Right. Um, yeah. So it's, it's so weird, man. Like the zoom world that we're living in. Like I spend all of my time by myself, but yet I am with other people from all over the world all the time. Uh, and, and it's draining and, you know, the, just to, to, to be talking and, and giving away all the energy. Um, so yeah, just, just carve out time that is actually just for you where you do your thing. Right. So for me, you know, every morning I'll I do, you know, 20 minute run, 10 minute meditation, take my shower, come downstairs, uh, do a little bit of journaling, do a little bit of, you know, I mostly read a lot of philosophy, read some philosophy. And, um, you know, from there, just, just kind of ease into the day. Love it. One thing, one way many people get energy or get inspired and, um, where, where, what they do when they are drained, they go traveling. Right. So I, I want to go to a rapid fire round and the first question is about traveling that's yeah. why i tried to make that bridge but it didn't really work out but anyways <laughs> the first question <laughs> the first I, I burned the bridge man my bad my bad <laughs> so the first question in the rapid fire round is uh, what's your favorite place to travel yeah so uh, you know i haven't uh, been able to travel much the last couple of years uh, i've heard there's like this virus going around and people can't really travel much <laughs> but um I mean, first and foremost, man, it, it's always going back home to California. That's always my favorite place to travel. Uh, I haven't been inside my home in California for two and a half years, and I'm oh. going back in, in a week from now. So I'm looking forward to that. So always love going back home to Sacramento. Uh, first and foremost, favorite favorite place to go. But then after that, uh, my wife and I have taken a lot of trips to like the Mediterranean region. Like we've done Croatia, we've done uh, Malta, and um uh, done parts of Spain that are, I guess, kind of Mediterranean-ish. And, uh, uh, what's that place? Palma de Mallorca. Yeah. But I don't know if that's really Mediterranean. Is that, um, but yeah, I, I, I like the Mediterranean region. Mm -hmm. Like, I, if I can, if I could always go somewhere every year, it would probably be Palma de Mallorca. That just love it out there. Yeah. What do you like about it? It's just chill, man. Super relaxed. Like, it's a beautiful island. Um, uh, it's just absolutely gorgeous and so chill. Like, like it's not hustle and bustle and busy. Uh, it's just, it's cool, man. It feels, seems like a nice place to, to, to take the baby, right? Like my wife and I went there in 2019. Um, and I was just like, dude, this is like the, the coolest place to just, uh, hang out with, with, you know, with your family, bring the baby and, and just relax. Nice. I'm, I'm, I have a wedding, uh, in, on Mallorca the, this summer. So it's uh, hey, looking nice. forward, yeah, yeah. Hey, congrats, man! Yeah, so I'm, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the wedding of my girlfriend. the The second question is, yeah, what's the first career you dreamed of as a 
having as a as a kid? Uh, I, I remember in first grade, I wanted to be a dermatologist. Dermatologist. I don't know why, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's so weird, right? It's so weird. Um, <laughs> wanted to be a dermatologist or some type of doctor, but then I realized that I just didn't like blood and guts and gore and things like that. Um, and yeah, I think that after that, dude, I just didn't. You know, I thought maybe be an accountant. Like, that's the thing, man. I think that's a lot of the reason why I was so lost early in life is because I didn't have any clear goal of what it was that I actually wanted to be. I was just confused. I didn't know. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll be a doctor. But then I was like, nah, I don't want to be a doctor. And then I was like, oh, I'll be an accountant. And I was like, all right, well, that's kind of boring. Uh, you know, that it, yeah. But then again, as a kid, man, like, do you need to be any, like, do you need to want to be anything when you grow up as a kid, right? Like, nowadays, question. like, you know, my seven-year-old nephew, my, my wife's nephew, I asked him what he wanted to be when he grow up. He's like, I want to be a YouTuber. And it's like the space of careers that are now open to us are drastically different than what they were when I was growing up, right? I, I grew up in you know, the, the 90s. And like, you know, you had a few options, especially coming from, you know, immigrant household, Indian parents, you know, lawyer, doctor, engineer, or failure. And that's really it. Um, but the space of possible careers now is just, it's so wide and the jobs that are coming, the jobs that are going to be emerging because of all the innovation that is happening now due to machine learning, AI and, and, you know, tech, there's going to be jobs we wouldn't even imagine. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's, yeah. So uh, I think for any kid growing up, like, you know, you don't need to have like a, a career aspiration, just aspire to be a well-rounded, happy individual. And I think that's uh I think it's such Again, a good, good starting point indeed, because <laughs> yeah. because too often we're so um, we we hold on to to an idea of who what type of job we want, right? What 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 type of career mm -hmm. we want? But I think if you start with you as a person and what makes you happy, the the rest will automatically follow. So I like that. Yeah, yeah. People tend to just identify with their job, like their job is their identity, and that's happens. You know, Western world, Eastern world, wherever, like the one of the first few questions anyone will ever ask you is, Oh, so what do you do? Yeah. Right. And like, they want to know what you do for work. Right. And I don't know. Is it some type of status signaling, status comparison where we, you know, how do you rank up on the hierarchy against me? Like, I don't know, but I don't understand why that has to be the first question. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting to a place where I just don't, I do not try to identify as a data scientist. Right. Like, like I think, so I put on my LinkedIn thing. I'm a data scientist that identifies as a philosopher. I wanted to refer right? to that, yeah. So what, yeah. Why, why did you do that? What made right. you do that? Because, dude, like, data science is what I do for work. It's activities that I partake in. Um, but for me to say I am this thing, like, that's too narrow. That's too restrictive, right? Mm -hmm. uh, when I say I'm a philosopher, that means I'm a lover of wisdom. What does that mean as a lover of wisdom? That means I just like to learn things. I like to learn about things. Um, I like to think about things, think deeply about things, right? Somebody was messaged me. was like, oh, you're not a philosopher. You don't have a PhD. I was like, did fucking Plato have a PhD? Did Socrates have a PhD? Like, did, I, I don't know. Like, did all these people way back in the day have PhDs? Uh, they're still philosophers, right? Um, so yeah. So, I, you know, hopefully I get to a place where I just don't identify with anything anymore. Uh, I think there's a lot of work for me to get there. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, do not identify with my career. I, I identified way too much uh, with with work and my position. I remember, you know, updating mm -hmm. my LinkedIn profile when I made a promotion. Uh, you know, the next day, eagerly showing the world, you know, I made a promotion. And I think it's um, 
I think it's stupid because you're so much more than your job, right? You're, you, you can be, some people are unemployed, but they're amazing people. Uh, and you only discover that if you have a conversation with them and listen to them and not neglect them because they are unemployed. I think we need to, yeah, take more time and more uh, empathy towards uh, anyone and then discover who they really are behind the, the job title. So, so what do you answer when people ask, what, what do you do? I, I just tell them I'm a philosopher. I spend a lot of my time <laughs> philosophizing, which is true, right? Like, I mean, as, yes, what I do, like I, I, I'm not, I, I was lucky enough to find myself in this niche in, in, within data science, within tech in general, like there's dev relations, dev advocacy type of role. So a lot of my time is spent just writing, like doing projects and thinking about things. Like I spend most of my day thinking about really cool, interesting stuff. Um, so yeah, well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a philosopher in that sense. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's just what I'll tell people. And they're like, Oh, well, how do you pay for being a philosopher? <laughs> well, it's like, right, well, it doesn't matter, man. Like what I make don't make you rich. Right. Like yeah. why <laughs> don't worry about that. Yeah. I like that. What's uh, what's one thing that surprises people about you? I don't know, man. What's one thing that surprises people about me? Uh, that's a, that's a tough question, man. You gotta be stumped there. Uh, I guess that'd be a question I would like to have other people answer on my behalf. What mm -hmm. do you find surprising about me? I think when you look on my LinkedIn, everything looks linear. Like I just had shit figured out, right? But it's not the case, man. Like, and I've only just begun talking about this, right? And maybe part of it, a lot of it, all of it was because of this imposter syndrome thing. It's like, if people actually knew how much of a fuck up I was, nobody's going to take me seriously. Nobody's going to hire me. Uh, that's not true, right? Like I still got, job opportunities i got more opportunities than i know what to do with um the keep thing i keep running out of is time now yeah exactly and i think it's, it's it's more the opposite because people see where you're coming from right that you're not the perfect person with the perfect career and all the steps planned out like you had in mind you you had something in mind now i'm gonna fight for this and learn a lot a lot in this direction and then you switch shift shift it to a different perspective but i think it's inspiring to show that you know it's it's not also easy and it was not so easy for you as well. I think that gives people a lot of hope wherever they are, whether they have a plan or not. It shows that in a, in five years or 10 years, you can change a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think people will find that surprising. Like the person you see now, the person you hear on this podcast, on wherever you catch me, like this is not the person I've always been. Like, I just haven't been. It's probably not the person I'm always going to be. I'll probably keep reinventing myself, keep changing myself. And that maybe people find that surprising that I'm more than willing to just start over and, and just start fresh. Like, I just don't care. Like if I find, if I feel like there's a better thing for me to go do, I will go pursue a way to go do that better thing. Uh, and it doesn't matter to me how much time it takes. Like the, the time is like, I, I don't count age, right? Like, so time doesn't really mean anything for me. Like people are always trying to get in a rush to get somewhere. Like if I'd study this, how long is it going to take? Like, who cares how long it's going to take, man? Like, that's not the point. The point isn't just to do it quickly. The point is to enjoy the thing while you are doing it. Right. And automatically, if you make some turns and you learn something new and you start over, you learn so much, right? In terms of skills, experience, uh, new new wisdom, mm -hmm. you meet new people. I think it's time well spent. Yeah, yeah. Like, just put yourself in tough situations as much as you can. Like, 
apply for a job that seems difficult, get invited for the interview. Don't worry whether you're going to get the job or not. Uh, just think about how much better you are going to become for the preparation that you did for this interview, right? Like stretch yourself in those type of ways, right? Like, uh, that, that's the, the biggest piece of advice I'd give anyone is just, just do difficult things. Like it, just do it. Like that uncomfortable feeling, like nobody likes to feel stupid. Like I like to feel stupid. Like I like to feel dumb when I'm doing something because I know that means I'm, I'm doing something I didn't know how to do and I'm going to learn how to do it and I'll get better. Uh, so yeah, just, just embrace it. Just embrace feeling stupid because it's never going to stop, man. If you, if you only try to find situations where you feel smart in, homie, you're not going to go anywhere, man. You're going to be stuck. You are going to, you're going to be, uh, where you always have been. And if you like where you always have been, fuck it. That's good, man. If not, then get uncomfortable. The next question. What job would you be terrible at? Uh, uh, being a manager. Like manager. managing people, anything. Why? Like, I just don't, I can't, nah, I just don't want to do it, dude. Like, I, I this is, nah, I'm good, man. I don't want to be a manager. I don't want to be a leader of people, like any of that stuff. Um, I'd rather be a player coach. I'd rather, like, you know, in, in tech, you got those two routes where you can be the, the people manager or like the distinguished engineer type of person, right? Or principal of this, principal of that. Um, so, you know, there's, any position where somebody has to report directly up to me is a position that I probably would not want to have. Why is that? Uh, because that means I would have to be meeting with people all the time. And I don't like doing that. Like I hate being in meetings, dude. Like, like I, like, like I see when I log into work and I see a day where it's just like more than, more than one meeting. I'm just like, fuck, this is not, it's so, draining right so i feel i equate leadership positions with just sitting in meetings all day long right and if you're sitting in meetings all day long and you're doing that type of stuff like how much time do you have to go learn and you know play around and do fun stuff like you know actual work like not i think you know not actual work but um you know what i mean like just hands-on stuff exactly no i know exactly what you mean and then i'm curious what does the perfect day look like for you because we, we talked about your morning routine right we we know about that mm -hmm. we know you hate meetings so you don't want to have too many meetings at, at a day what what does the perfect yeah. day look like assuming it's a it's a tuesday man perfect tuesday for me would be all right cool this is the project i'm working on let's say i'm going to uh develop a tutorial for how to create a generative adversarial network in pytorch using my company's product and then i just do that thing right or just all right this is the one thing i'm going to do for that day i'm going to do that so i guess the perfect day for me is the day where i just get to do one thing and one thing only and not have my attention divided amongst a hundred different tasks uh, those are the perfect days for me because if i have a day where i've got to do this and i've got to do that then i've got to be here and i got to go there uh that's not fun for me because then i have no control over my time i've got no control over my focus or my energy uh, so perfect days for me are days where I'm left alone and I'm able to just focus on one thing and have that one thing be, uh, just, just the, 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 the center of my focus and my attention. I can totally relate to that, to the point of having one point of focus, because after a day of working where, um, I need to be everywhere mentally, I, I don't like it. It's, it's very draining to me. And also when I block time, I have time to work on something for say four hours straight, at least something real comes out, right? I, I 
I'm producing mm-hmm. something. I'm creating something new. And also when, when I focus on one thing, I feel so much more energized and productive and like I'm doing meaningful work. So I can totally relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Just focused on learning something new, just discovering something new. Like that's, those are the best days. Then I want to move to uh, artists of data science, uh, your podcast. Um, can you tell us about the artists of data science? What, what is the meaning? Why, why did you choose that, that title? Yeah, I uh, took the title from, well, I, I, I took the concept of artist from, um, how Seth Godin uses the, uh, the concept of artist. Because artists are people who, with a genius for finding a new answer, a new connection, or a new way of getting things done, right? So to me, that's what data scientists are, right? We find new answers, new connections, and new way of doing things. Um, and if you're not doing that as a data scientist, then I don't, like, I don't know if you actually are like an artist, right? Um, you know, you're just another, another cog in the wheel, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so th- that's kind of, I, I just, I love the way he uses that, um, that, you know, that, that word, that, that, that concept. Yeah, of Seth Godin is such a inspirational guy and so much wisdom about education as well and entrepreneurship and how we should look at the world. And I'm wondering, do you consider yourself an artist? Yeah, I do, man. Like I do. Like I, I, that's kind of been me my entire life, right? Finding new answers, finding new connections, and doing things in new ways, right? Uh, that's that's really I feel like has always been what I've enjoyed doing. Um, I'm not like I don't draw, I don't paint, I don't sing, I don't make music. Um, but I'm an artist in a different way, and you know I'm a creative in a different way. Um, so like it's just. Seth Godin's definition of artist just made me realize that I am one, right? That's not like an artist isn't just a paint person who paints or sings or dances or, or does, you know, things like that. Absolutely agree. And, uh, I see yourself, I see you as a, as an artist as well. So I'm, I'm oh, happy to you. see, uh, that you see yourself on as one as well. What I would like to, uh, move to is, uh, what, what, what you're working on right now and what are your, your plans? Because you're a busy man. You're also always working on many different things. What would you like to share about your plans of this year? Yeah. So this year I'm just really doubling down on writing. Like I'm just going to be writing a lot more. Um, I'd like to write more about things not data science related, but it, it seems to, always be the focus of what I write about. So maybe more of the philosophical aspects of data science, I think is what I would like to write more about. Um, less about, you know, here's how you use this particular library to do this particular thing, right? Like, uh, so that, that's one thing I want to focus on. Um, you know, just always getting better at, at my craft. Um, you know, that's always something that I, that I want to do more of. And I like to learn and build in public. So, you know, growing my brand on, on Twitter is kind of like the next stage for me. And I'm doing these threads where I just distill down topics, whether it's a technical topic or, um, a, you know, topics from books or, or just connecting ideas and, and weaving them into threads. Um, how do you, that's gonna be, how do you like Twitter compared to LinkedIn? I like it a lot better. Um, Twitter is uh, definitely my favorite uh, platform now. Uh, LinkedIn is great. It's cool. I just don't feel like I could be myself on LinkedIn. Why? Um, yeah. It's just the, the nature of the platform, right? Like it doesn't like the, 
it might be just be a byproduct of those who follow me, but the only type of stuff that I get interaction with is when I talk about like data science related stuff. Or if I just share, share like a PDF, like people just love that shit. Like, like I don't understand. Um, so for me, that platform, like I'm, I'm moving way past it. I mean, I'm grateful for everything that it's uh, done for me so far. Um, but I cannot express myself in the way that I truly want, or at least I feel that I can't express myself in the way I truly want to. And, um, what? And maybe that, you know, using Twitter, it's because like I'm, I'm kind of new there. Like I don't have that huge of a following. So I could share things and attract the people who like the things that I talk about, uh, rather than attracting people who just want to learn how to be a data scientist. Um, I just feel like on LinkedIn, people are just like a lot of the messages that I get on LinkedIn are people who want something from me. Mm-hmm. They want my time. They want my energy. They want my expertise. They just want something from me. And that's very draining. Um, and I just don't like that, that feeling. Mm-hmm. And how do you see uh, Medium? Because you you're writing articles on Medium as well. What, yeah. What's your plan yeah. with with that? And where can people follow you? Yeah, Medium just data science harp. I'll just be pushing out more and more content there. Um, you know, I, I, luckily I found myself a role where content creation is my uh, my kind of main main thing, right? So that's that's been awesome. Um, but you know, I hope to start writing more about other topics. And if people are interested in it, then then they then that'd be great. Like you'll see some of it interspersed and mixed in on my medium posts. Um, you know, that the, there'll be more than just data science stuff. Uh, it just this that I just don't want to f- ever feel like I'm bucketed into one thing, right? Yeah, that's also what I sent from you from your words. Yeah, man. It's like people like, oh, you know, like my audience expects this from me and I don't want to confuse them about talking about other things. This, this. I'm like, all right, well, like you don't want to confuse your audience by letting them know that you're actual human who has different interests. Like, I don't know, like all the traditional like growth hack. Well, I don't know if it's called growth hack or best practice, whatever, like all the traditional uh, things that people talk about, how to become uh, an influencer on social media and stuff like that. Like I've, I'm just it doesn't resonate with me and I don't want to be that person. Like I just want to just be me right in every aspect. I see what you mean. Many very practical or yeah, three tips, both kind of posts or PDF posts, but they perform very, very well in terms of likes people, people love it. Some comments. And yeah. when I think about something deeply and, and write something, what I think is really good. People don't really see it or feel it or it's too deep or not practical enough mm-hmm. so but I, i keep posting that stuff because i, I like it yeah. and some people yeah. they do appreciate it but in terms of engagement yeah. it's, it's way way less yeah i mean i don't know like how much advice like people just get inundated with advice on on whatever social media platform man whether it's linkedin twitter it doesn't matter how much of that shit are you actually using man how much of that shit actually like have you implemented in your life, right? Or are you just like reading them and getting validation or whatever, right? Like, um, I don't know, like part of the reason, like I, I don't, like I've got social media blocked from my computer, but I, I'm only ever allowed to go on it between 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. and then 3 p.m. onwards. And then even afterwards at, at 3 p.m. onwards, like, you know, I'm either with, I'm at the gym or with family or doing some other stuff, right? So um, it used to be like this, this constant, like, epic just circular battle like be working on something and then go on linkedin go on twitter go on this go on that and uh, it's just too distracting and it's like what am i doing man like i'm just liking posts but like like i'm just mindlessly absorbing the post and you know 
I don't think I've actually ever used or acted on advice that I read on a LinkedIn post or a Twitter thread or, you know, maybe some Twitter thread is definitely helpful, but yeah, I I don't know. I'm going off on a tangent, so uh, I'll just stop. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's a good question because I think we often do not use the advice that is out there. And also the kind of three tips kind of post that I also do that some people find find very helpful. I'm also wondering whether that brings them very far compared to a post where I ask a lot of questions and go a bit deeper and try to make people think for themselves instead of just consuming the three tips and then go to the next one. But I want to make people think about themselves, about how they interact with others. And I think in the long run, that's what gives you much more benefit, right? To become more self-aware that you can apply in any situation. So we're nearing the end. And the last question that I want to ask you is what is one takeaway you want people to take from this episode? Got one life on this planet. Why not try to do something big? Well, for everyone that doesn't know Harpreet yet, um, make sure to find him on, on Twitter, still LinkedIn and Artists of Data Science's podcast. I'll put all the links in the show notes. Harpreet, it was a pleasure to to talk about life, in fact, to talk about uh, philosophy, a bit about data science, but I felt this was much more uh, spontaneous conversation about life, how to how to design it, how to step into the unknown and yeah, do things that make you feel stupid. So I really appreciate that you shared all those uh, pieces of wisdom that you made us think. You you for sure brought a lot of uh, new things to this episode. So thanks a lot for your time. Yeah, no, thank you. And uh, hopefully people made it to the end of this episode. If you did, great. I'm, I'm glad. I hope I didn't, you know, hope you don't feel like you wasted your time listening to, you know, crazy man ramble about things. But uh, appreciate all of you who listened up to here. Definitely connect with me. Um, wherever you want, shoot me a message. Let's uh, be in touch. Do you want people to listen to your data and increase your business impact? Then take my free email course or do the quick self-test of your data communication skills. Go to mindspeaking.com and start learning today.